Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon here along with Eric Lopez and Brian Murphy. And, you know, we thought we could take it easy for the summer. And lo and behold, just the 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 the, the never-ending stampede of news just somehow comes up and bites us once again here. we are. It's almost July for crying out loud. And can't, can't anybody just stay in a freaking conference anymore? Uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, UConn leaving the American and a lot more uh, on this uh, on this program, and we also have a guest, Philip Rossman Reich of uh, the Orlando Magic Daily, will join us to talk about uh, UCF players who have uh, moved into the pros, who are moving on, um, uh, and specifically talking about the guys who've moved to the Orlando Magic for the for the uh, summer league, which is coming up. So, lo and behold, we actually have a show for you today, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Brian, Eric, how are you fellas this, uh, this flaming hot June afternoon? It's not hot if you just spend all day indoors, Jeffrey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> see, there's, see, there's the gif with the guy pointing to his head, you know, it's, it's not hot if you stay inside. <laughs> so. We are Black and Gold Banneret, the, the home of UCF Sports on SB Nation. Uh, you can follow us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter as well as facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. Let's go ahead and get started, boys. Oh, what happened this week? Oh, that's right. The American, as of uh, 2020, is going to be, at least as of the, this moment, is going to be down one school. The Yukon Huskies actually it happened today. We're recording this on Wednesday. Earlier today, the Yukon uh, Board of Trustees officially voted to approve their move from the American to the Big East Conference as of the 2020-2021 uh, athletic year. Now, a lot obviously has gone into it. A lot's been written about it. We're going to talk about it, at least in terms of the aftermath of this, and try and flush out some some of the light that's that's can you know that's floating out there in the ether. Because you know, I mean, conference realignment when that stuff actually happens on Twitter, like it's it's it, it's it's defcon stupid out there for everybody on 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 college sports twitter so um there are three th- real things that i want to get to with you guys number one is really how does this you, you know how does how does this affect the ucf and the american and across the sports number two um should the american expand in order to replace uconn at all and number three, if so, with whom? So I think that's pretty much what everyone's looking at. But there's takes all over the place on this. I mean, we had a roundtable earlier this week. Murph, you were on there as well. Yeah, there's a lot of tribalism going on with this, really. But I, I'll start with you. Shocking. Uh, I know, right? Um, <laughs> tribalism in sports, what? No way, right? So, But the story, okay, so the story is... As of as of the latest point right now, so UConn is going to move to the Big East. All of their sports except for football. Football, they basically have no plan for. Um, it the uh, the it's <laughs> amazing how dumb that sounds. And I know it's it, that's they have I mean, no that, idea. That statement right there says it all. They have they have absolutely no plan. The MAC is not interested. Conference USA is not interested. The American report, according to several reports, is like if you think you're going to stick around as a football only school, you have another thing coming. Um, and so the 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 plan, at least from some of the reports that I've read, Chris Vanini's been all over this with the athletic, and we wanted to um, give uh, a, a, give some props to him as well as Brett McMurphy. Um, it, their their goal is like, yeah, we're just going to do like what UMass does and be an independent and fill people's fill people's schedule. Um, 
and you know play some body bag games here and there which i when i saw that i was like you really like this is a school that let let's not forget okay now everyone's gonna roll their eyes but let's not forget this is a school that's been to a bcs bowl all right they were good enough to qualify for it at some point and now here they are probably i mean they're not going to drop down to fcs um in, in that respect so I, it it just it just seems like they just I, I wish I knew what the conversations were between UConn's athletic director and Randy Etzel about this. And Randy Etzel's been all over Twitter about this kind of you know putting on the good face supposedly. But credit to him, yeah. Credit but to really being above all this nonsense, right? Uh, Brian uh, or uh, Eric, I'm going to start with you here. Like, what in the hell do they think they're doing? I think they're clueless. I think they're incompetent. Again, this is what happens in a lot of administrations in most universities have a lot of empty suits that don't have a clue what they're doing. They realize they're losing money and they, well, we're not going to blame it on ourselves. So we got to blame it on other things. So let's, maybe it's because we're not in the big East and this or that. And, uh, it's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing what they've done to that football program. Forget how you feel about the football team. I know they're not very good, but you mentioned it. They have won in the in the past. And to treat them like this, like they don't matter, is it's just disgraceful as an administration. We forget this a lot of times. How do you how do you recruit with that? You know, I mean, how yeah. do you get better? You can't. The thing I don't get: if you want to make this move to go to the Big East because it caught, you know, you you save money as far as travel because you can bus more uh, and all that stuff. Fine. And you want to say, you know what, we'll get rid of football because the majority of the reason you're losing money in most universities, the reason they're losing money, they don't want to admit this, but the reason most universities lose money is because they football's expensive. Football's expensive. So if UConn would say, yeah, you know what, I'm sorry, you know, financially we're just in a bad spot. We have to cut football. And we just feel that this is the better route. I would respect the decision. I say, okay, I shake my head. But this convoluted idea that they're going to continue to play football and schedule all these games is absolutely asinine and ridiculous. No administration in college athletics would get in, uh, would do a move like this without keeping their job. They would be all get fired. It's embarrassing. And 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 I think what's happened is they have been influenced by their fans and probably some of their you know, stubborn media that doesn't understand it's 2019 and 1999. It still use a typewriter instead of a laptop that think, Oh my God, your games are going to be streamed online. How dare you can't let that happen. And that nonsense. And they've made a knee jerk reaction that think it's going to fix their problems. And it's really not. It's a band aid. It's a band aid because their issues is nothing to do with the conference affiliation. Their issues have been with poor decision-making in that administration. I agree with that sense, but I, I don't entirely disagree with, I don't entirely agree with the, with basically saying that the reason why you, why UConn is doing this is because they're stupid. There, it, there has to be some sort of real reason that led them to believe that they would be better off in the Big East than in the American. Now, I think that what they are acknowledging is we're a basketball school, and we're mm-hmm. going to and we're going to strengthen our strength. Um, and Murph, I, I do want to talk to you about this because you know, and yes, UConn is a traditional basketball power. They won a national championship just recently as being a as being a part of the American in 2013. Um, mm-hmm. But 
you know, the, the Big East is not a bad basketball conference. I should point out the American is a much better basketball conference than people think. Um, the Big East is pretty good. Um, but look, it's a good league. I mean, nobody's questioning that. But this idea, because I had an interaction, that the Big East is far superior to the American is is laughable. And well, that's the problem. Don't don't use the American as the the excuse there. You know, last season the Big East was ranked fifth as far as RPI wise, as far as the fifth best conference in college basketball. The American was right behind them at number six. The reason they were behind them was because Tulane and East Carolina obviously hurt them, whereas the Big East has better, their bottom teams are better. That's basically the difference on that. There's not a huge difference. A huge gap that would be suggested would be if you said, well, it's the ACC and the Big East. That's a gap. The American and Big East gap is not big. Murph, what do you make of this, especially on the basketball side? Because obviously basketball is ingrained in the culture of UConn. Is this just a confession that in the 21st century you need to you need to stick to your strengths? I think this is a sort of pining for the the, yes, the days of yesteryear, which you guys have mentioned, as if like, you know, well, it was always better in the past, which is one of the great human fallacies of, you know, things were always better in the past when really all we do, like mentally, is just remember the good times and, and X out the bad times, because really it wasn't better. We just don't remember it that way. Um, but really, landscape has changed. The teams that, 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 you know, teams like Syracuse that, uh, that that UConn has this this great traditional rivalry with, they're not in the Big East. I mean, they're not going to go back to the Big East that they knew. And as you guys point out, that Big East is a fine conference. It's not a bad conference, but it's also not a, a, a it's also not a Big Ten. It's not an ACC, and it's barely even better than the AAC. Uh, and then just talking about programs across the board, where you know the Americans better in baseball. The American is better in softball. The American is better, uh, I believe, in in uh, men's soccer. And then there's like narrow differences between the two conferences: Big East and ACC, and AAC and women's soccer. And, yeah, uh, I, I, and I've got the I got the see I got him right here. I tweeted this out earlier. I, I'm reading guy. your tweet, Eric. I'm reading <laughs> your tweet. Well, then give me credit, darn it. No, I'm just going. Go ahead. I'm going to. But no, Eric. So Eric put out basically all the conference RPI rankings for every sport. And, you know, there's there's quite a handful of sports in which the AAC is ahead of the Big East. And in sports where the Big East is ahead, it's a very marginal difference. So, you know, from top to bottom, program to program, the AAC is a better conference. Yes, they're not as strong in basketball, but it's not that big of a difference. And what UConn thinks they're going to re-enter back into is no longer existing. You know, I mean, you know, the, the, the Creightons and Xavier's of the day, those don't have the same – gravitas as your old UConn and, and Syracuse matchups. And I should mention that there's a decent chance that the best team in either the AAC or the Big East is probably going to be Memphis <laughs> out of the AAC. Yeah. Well, I, just to remind everybody about the um, uh, the conference that they're, that they're about to go to, um, the old traditional Big East powers basketball powers that are in the new Big East are the following. Georgetown, Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova. All right, so it's five. UConn would make it six. All right. The new-ish Big East schools, uh, schools that were from the, the previous expansion and then from when and then from the big split in 2013, you have Butler, Creighton, DePaul, Marquette, 
and Xavier. So this is who they're doing. rivals. Yeah. <laughs> but this is what UConn's going to they, they, To me, it's the square peg in the round hole. They're a big public university that's going into a conference that's filled with a bunch of small private Catholic schools. And it, 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 there are different considerations for each of them. And, and my thing on UConn is, look, you don't want to be in the American don't be in the American. Fine. If you want to cut off your nose to spite your face in 2020 when college football is what rules the day, that's fine. Go do it. But then don't, you know, tar and feather this conference on the way out that, by the way, the last six years gave you a soft landing spot and tried to elevate your program, that w- the, the football program that was poorly invested in uh, from the very beginning. And in addition... I think provided some UConn some pretty good competition in basketball, in particular when you talk about Memphis, Houston, and even UCF over the past couple of years, uh, as UCF has gotten as UCF has gotten better. Um, there's this this again in this UConn fan base that, and this seems to be to me to be more of a uh, um, uh, sort of a spiking the football thing of you know oh we're so glad to get out of the AAC, where the fact is. They're not going to be in that much better of a place. Um, one of the reasons, and Eric, I want to ask you about this too. One of the reasons that was talked about, there's a great article that was up in Medium. It was by, um, and you shared it, and I shared it from you, by Sean O'Leary, who, uh, who actually is a GW grad who went, goes to, uh, who's in Washington, D.C., but follows the Big East very closely. 12 Reasons Why UConn Will Regret the New Big East. And this is one of the, thing that, one of the things that he, that he mentioned was, Streaming is the future. You know, with the with the new media deal going to ESPN Plus, that that put UConn in a spot with SNY, who who covers their third tier rights. Um, and with the way television's going, and with the way the technology behind television is going, where you know we might see much you know less and less bandwidth um, devoted to actual cable television, and eventually you'll just have one one basic pipe where things are going to come through it's going to be your internet connection um this this feels like a very backwards looking move um, it's out of date i mean you you and i were at that teleconference when they announced the the american tv deal who was the most vocal people that was the most concerned about the streaming part oh it was all the, the it was all the yukon people yeah. And then they were the one who were, we were concerned about this. I don't know. What happens with so SNY? What happens with U- with UConn women's basketball? They yeah. make like about a million bucks. You know, great. Congrats. So so now they're leaving the league where they were going to make $3 million less. The Americans going to make around $7 million in the new deal. The Big East makes $4 million a year. So you're going to take less money, a league that makes less money. You're going to have to pay the American at least $10 million to get out of here, by the probably way. Not, more probably more because they're announcing more. this. Yeah. Um, the the uh, AAC's deal was, I think, it was a twenty six or twenty seven month advance Correct. notice. Correct, twenty seven month notice. Yeah, yeah, month notice. I mean, this is twelve months. So plus the ten million dollar exit fee. So if I'm Mike Oresco, uh, yeah. I'm going to be uh, the, I'm going to negotiate negotiate hard on this one. Yeah, you don't you don't give it. In. And then oh, by the way, they got to pay three and a half million just to get into the Big East. <laughs> yeah. So they're actually. 
going to spend like $14 million, but yet they're in $40 million debt. Yeah, that's great. That's a great idea just for the hope that an 18-year-old student at Storrs, Connecticut is going to somehow have memories of Ray Allen hitting a runner against Allen Iverson in Georgetown and get excited about Connecticut and Georgetown. I mean, give me a break. Um, listen, I enjoyed the Big East. Jeff, you obviously have ties to the Big East Conference, so I'll let you right. speak about it. But this is not the Big East. Can we stop with that nonsense? The Big East of old used to be arguably the number one or number two conference. It was them and the ACC. They were on ESPN Big Monday. All right, Bill Raftery was on. Jay Bella, Sean McDonough, Mike Gorman before that. They were the must-see TV. They were the Saturday night deal on ESPN. They would get about three and a half to four million viewers for their Big East title game. The Big East today is on Fox. No disrespect. They're barely getting over a million viewers for their Big East championship game that's on free Fox. To put that in perspective, the American Conference has outrated them on ESPN. Like, give me, I mean, what, what are we talking about here? Um, this is not the Big East. And best, I got bad news for you. The Big East is actually being treated as a second league, according to Fox, behind the Big Ten. The Big Ten is the one that's going to get all the Fox attention. So you're not going to – you're going to lose a lot of ESPN exposure – for what? For yeah. what? Like, that's the thing. For what? And you're making this move in the hopes of turning around your program when in reality, the guy that's the reason you might turn around your program is not the league or the teams you're playing. It's the coach. If you, if, if UConn was 22 and six right now, coming off a sweet 16 year, are we, are we having this conversation? Boy. About lack of attendance? Over it's a good question. No, and the answer is no. Murph, uh, and I think, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Murph, what does this mean for UCF men's basketball? Well, it does mean they are losing at least a brand name. And I do believe that UConn, although they haven't been, you know, it's, it, I think it's way too early, obviously, to, to judge what Danny Hurley is going to do at UConn. But I, I believe that he's going to have that, that program successful. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't, it's not like, you know, it's not like, you know, losing Memphis or as even Kelvin Sampson brought up today in a tweet. You know, Kelvin Sampson said the bell cow of the conference is Cincinnati, which uh, I, I kind of opened some eyes. I think that was pretty funny. It was some, some nice little jet. Yeah, it was by the way, real jet. quick. By the way, it's funny how Cincinnati has prospered since leaving the Big East. How come they haven't struggled like UConn? Yeah, just throw that out there. Continue, Bear. But no, I, I I don't know if there's a. It's a. It, 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 I think it hurts a little bit because UConn still is a basketball draw. Like you said, it's a basketball school. And it's it's a, it's a solid opponent. I think they'll be better in the next few years. Um, but it's not like you know all of a sudden it downgrades the overall well-being of the conference. You know by some sort of magnitudes. What about on the baseball side? Because you know, we know how good UConn baseball is. Jim Penders, you know, is going from a league that was very competitive for baseball to a league that barely exists for baseball. Um, yeah, you know, and this, and and you want to talk about a program that is serially, not, you know, underinvested in, is UConn baseball. They don't even have, you know, Colin Sherwin from the Daily Stampede likes to bring up that they don't even have lights at their field in 2019. Um, Correct. I've been there. What? I've been what does this? What does this mean for? What does this mean for baseball? Well, it means that baseball is only going to have one season inside of UConn's new stadium which will open next year and will have lights. Uh, so that's going to be unfortunate. Uh, but it does mean also that they lose an opponent that's made the regional six, six, you know, six times in 10 years. 
that kind of competition you want in your conference. I know we can talk about how, you know, it, it's nice to have easier competition you can beat up on and get wins against. But if you've got competition that you can really test yourself against and, and you have a real threat to beating, then, then you should, you know, you should want that sort of challenge. UConn brings the challenge consistently, even with their pitfalls with their stadium and their travel issues and how they don't play a lot of the early part of their season at home. Um, you know, you, but you still want them in your conference because they are consistently uh, a pretty effective, you know, uh, successful high RPI team. Um, this is a question that I thought about too. I, I went ahead and I look at UConn's uh, future football schedules. And much like UCF, actually, they do not have any future non-conference football games scheduled beyond 2025. Now, we know for a fact that UCF is working on rectifying that. We have no idea that UConn is working on rectifying that. And now all of a sudden in 2020, they're going to have eight more open dates that they're going to have to fill. Now, I look at that 2025 year and I see a bunch of things getting ready to happen. I think that we all agree that it's around that time that the next round of whatever is going to happen. And I say whatever because we really don't know. Yeah. Is UConn is UConn laying the groundwork to kill football? You mean they might for as well? The, yeah, right for themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So do you think? So so I'll ask you, but Murph, we'll start with you. You think that in 2026, UConn football will not exist? Yeah. I mean, what else? What, what are the chances they have? They can't leave. The base has assured them of that. They can't leave within what six years without without paying thirty million. So they're stuck in the Big East. So your only other chance, and no one else wants you. So the only other thing you could do is go FCS or independent. And I think at the end, they're just going to go up and smoke. What do you think, Eric? I agree with Murph. I mean, to me, that's the only way this move makes any sense to me. Because you're going to still lose a lot of money putting a football program out there, regardless of who you're, especially as an independent. Like, to schedule eight games in the trial, like, get out of here. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good date. I personally think they should kill it. Just get it out of the way now in a couple of years and let everybody move on. Personally, um, amazing um, that a department, amazing that a department's lost forty million dollars and now is looking at losing football. Hey, really? And that's not including, by the way, they're in a currently in a lawsuit with Kevin Ollie that could go up to about ten million dollars. I mean, mm. they're not in a position to just give away money, and but yet they they did announce on Sunday on social media their new locker rooms for the football team, which was just hilarious that you know they would just announce that on Sunday. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with Murph. There's no reason to keep this football team. They're not going to be able to recruit anybody. Why would anybody go to that place to play unless you have no choice? And that tweet, that tweet, that tweet sent out by the program announcing the new locker rooms with the video clip of the players seeing the locker rooms and the tone deafness of that tweet saying the players got surprised this weekend. Like, yeah, they sure did. Yeah, I bet they did. (laughs) Joe, Um, it's embarrassing. And what's embarrassing is, is administrating an athletic department, you're supposed to watch out. They supposedly tell you they're supposed to watch out for your student athletes. Well, you tell that to those football players that made a commitment to their and you basically throw them out like a they like an old shoe. Let me ask you about the conference now, and and Murph, I'll start with you. Do you think that the American should expand to replace UConn, and 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 if so, how should they do it? Should they stay at eleven for football, as has been reported? Should they go back up to twelve? Is I'm I'm not talking about teams they should go with yet. That's going to be my next question. But should yeah. they do it? What's the best? 
option here for the American, Brian? I, I don't believe it's imperative. I don't believe it's a must that you must replace them with someone else because, you know, just replace them with another program that, you know, is, you know, just to fill out, just to fill a space, you know, just to add, just to add, to add sake doesn't really accomplish anything. Right. So I don't, I don't think, I don't, I, to answer your question of, you know, will they go to 12? Uh, I don't know if they will, but I'm going to say they don't, don't think that they, they don't need to think like they have to. So, so, so do you think that they would stay at 11 for football and kill the divisions or, and, and add another non-football playing school? I, what do you, I mean, I think you're more Wilson than me on that, but I don't, I, I don't think they'll kill the divisions. I don't think, I don't think they'll, I don't, I don't see the totally, so I guess that way they'll have to add a 12th. Because yeah. I don't see, I, I think I see them sticking with that format. What do you think, Eric? I think you stay at 11 unless ESPN tells you you want to, that they want you to go to 12. Uh, okay, yeah, that's a good point. I was just, I, you know, I'd forgotten all about that, and I, I, I wonder what really UCF what would want, I mean, the, or matter, ESPN yeah. would want them to do. Yeah. Because if ESPN, here's the thing. This is the problem. We get caught up, in, and I got caught up in it. Well, let's add this team, and what do they bring? Like I know you brought up in the in your article, you brought up in the form about not old yet, Dominion. not yet, not yet, not yet. We'll get no, to no, that. but I'm going to use them in as examples. I'm going to trash <laughs> Old Dominion now. Uh, See, I knew you. Why would ESPN <laughs> care about it? Why would ESPN want Old Dominion in the league? What, what that doesn't do anything for ESPN. They're not going to give you an extra dime for that. Um, so to me, no, you don't add anybody in any of the league unless ESPN says, you know. We think it's a good idea if you add blank as your 12th member. And if it, you do that, you, maybe you make an extra million or something like that. Otherwise, you just stay at 11 and you know, move forward. Now, now, the TV contract does state that ESPN can renegotiate if there's changes in the membership of the conference. Now, Brett McMurphy, I think, had reported that th that was largely a backstop just in case a school like UCF were to leave and that UConn didn't really figure into that. Um, but they may very well figure into that. Um, well, well, they might. What they might do is instead of picking up everybody, picking up the extra six hundred thousand or close to a million that you might get from UConn leaving, the Ameri the ESPN is like, you know what? We'll keep that to our own back pocket if you don't mind, and you keep your seven million. That might yeah. be what happens. Yeah. I don't think this is a. I don't think this is a giant step because it doesn't hurt. It doesn't affect football. Really, it really only affects basketball. And let's be honest, as you've mentioned, let's be honest, the majority of this money is towards football. So if it was a football, like a UCF or a Houston leave, I think that's what they were renegotiating at that point. All right, I'm going to go through a bunch of schools that have been rumored. Oh boy, Mark, for, I know you're fired up. Yeah. I can't uh, wait for this. For, for this. And and you guys just give me a yay or nay. Um, don't, don't, feel like you have to explain each one like if you're just like no just say no but um mm. we've seen everybody under the sun i mean this is this is like i said twitter's in defcon stupid over this um let's start with the name that seems to be on everybody's tongue at the top of the list byu murph what do you think no okay eric if espn says yes I think that's the program that I could see ESPN, and, and this is why. ESPN's actually currently, in, I'm not even making this up, they're currently in negotiations with BYU to redo their deal. Right, because they deal. Ha, BYU has an independent contract with them. Correct, and 
from you know there's depending what you read I, I, BYU makes about four to six million with ESPN and there's skepticism about whether they're going to make that much because ESPN is going to want certain games to be on ESPN plus so I could see a scenario where ESPN comes to BYU and say look we can only get you three but if you join the American you can make seven and we might make it worth your while then if BYU is receptive to that then they go to Mike and say, Mike, hey, we got a team for you that I think you should add as your 12th football member that I think would really increase your value, wink, wink, and then you sign off on it. That's how that happens. Uh, we should note that BYU is an independent in football, um, but they are in the, is it the West Coast Conference and everything else? Correct. No, no, the answer is no, no. You will never bring their sports. There's too many logistic issues yeah. with that travel financially and the whole religion deal where BYU doesn't play on Sundays. There's too many headaches. I, there's no way I see BYU ever playing in the American as in all sports. But I they, but BYU they could be, they could be a, a football only candidate is what you're saying. Yes. They could yes. do the Navy thing. Okay. Um, another school that could, has been bandied about as an all sports, no foot, no football candidate is Virginia Commonwealth VCU Murph. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because you've got teams in that area. It's on the East Coast. They're, they they do have a basketball brand. Um, so I guess in that sense, among the candidates that we have to choose from, I would say yes. Eric? No. I don't. First of all, I don't think the only way basketball gets added is if they decide, hey, let's just go 12 and 12. And I, I don't think so. I would be shocked if they add anybody for basketball. But I don't think it's VCU, although well, they, have a, they certainly have a good case. But they would not be my number one choice. Um, Army, what do we think? Eric, I'll start with you. Hell no. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, Being in a all, conference was a total total catastrophe for them last time because they were in Conference USA well, in the late 90s, yeah. and it didn't work F- out. Fantastic point, and I'm glad you brought that up. That's point number one. And I'm yeah. going to give you credit for point number two because you, you asked this question to me when I first – oh, yeah, Army, yeah, because, you know, Pete Thamel just threw it out there. Oh, yeah, it's Army. And you brought up a great point. What happens to the Army-Navy game? And right. guess what? That's a locked deal there. Both sides will make a lot of money out of that game. CBS televises it. It's two weeks at, what is it, a week after the championship game? It's, yeah, it's the Saturday um, after the conference championships, which means you. Which means if that was a conference game, you'd be playing it outside of... Yeah, I mean, you can't. Yeah, you can't do that. Now, Mark Daniels brought up an interesting thing on his radio show. He said that what you would do is you would play it as a non-conference game. Well, then... Yeah. Army and point? Army and Navy would play in conference potentially during the year, and I don't. I mean, that, that just, stupid. Yeah, it I doesn't make just, sense to me. There's too many. He- there's too many headaches, and then the other thing is that would be another triple option team you're bringing into your to your conference. If you're you from a UCF standpoint, do you really want to deal with two teams potentially winning the similar system? No, I, I think there's too many headaches, and you brought it up. I don't think. We don't know if Army can flourish in a league. They flopped the last time they were in. I don't think they're interested either. So, no, I would say hell no. Yeah. Murph? Yeah, well, one, they're not going to do it. And two, that make, those are good points about, you know, just the fact that it kind of screws up one of the the circuit, the circle dates on the college football calendar for those who care about the sport is the Army-Navy game. Yeah. Um, I can't believe people are going back down this road again, but here we are, Boise State. Murph? No, no, <laughs> no, no. Uh, well, no. Here's the thing: if you're Boise, why do you do that? You're making a lot of money. They're actually they have a sweet deal in the Mountain West. Yeah, they're they get paid more than anybody, anybody else. That's right. 
Yeah. And they've got a good sports thing going. I mean, their softball program has made the tournament. Their basketball team has been good. So they've got everybody in the same umbrella. I don't – Boise doesn't need this. They they figure, hey, if we win the Mountain West, we're always going to be in the mix for the New Year's Bowl, and our other sports are benefiting from being in the same umbrella. So I don't think they would – I think they hang up. Yeah, they're in the Mountain West for everything too. So um, yeah. let's see here. Uh, oh, boy. You're I, not going to find one that's very like, yeah, I know. Well, them. well, here's here's the here's the here's the uh, the roster of stupid that's been thrown around the internet. Uh, Appalachian State, Louisiana Tech. You guys can just go ahead and both say no at the same time. Um, Appalachian State. I, I say you can list them, and I'll say no in absentia. Like just just it's a stamp. It's more no. fun when the two. It's more fun when the two of you just say no at the same time after I name. All right, fine. All right, here we go. For the, for the <laughs> podcast. Appalachian State. No. Louisiana Tech. No. No. Marshall. No. no. Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. Uh oh oh, your guys are going Southern Miss. <laughs> Southern Mass is everybody else, but no. Florida Atlantic. <laughs> Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic. No. no. And you no. Know what's ironic about all this? The American is basically right now. All teams in the American are going through what happened with the Big Twelve did a few years ago, where they're like, no, 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 no. no. yeah, we're good. All right, here's where things get a little a little more interesting, but not really. Charlotte. No. <laughs> no. Uh, Georgia, Hell. Georgia State. Hell, double no. I wish we had Stone Cold Steve Austin's like just to just use him. Hell, too, saying hell no. Too big. Too big. But the but, but the markets. But the TV markets, Murph. Yeah, they're 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 near. I mean, really, this guy this guy had a hand over the weekend. Like, if there's one if there's one school that's got that UCF groundwork of like. Lots of money, like, got money and students and a good location. It's Georgia State. I'm like, what? But not now. <laughs> Maybe First five of years. Money? Years. Where's the money? <laughs> the Here's the other problem. We're in Atlanta, which has a lot of sports teams. You know, the thing that UCF benefits from, there's only one NBA team and, like, you know, an MLS team, whatever. And, it, you know, Georgia State's competing with, and Georgia State's competing with a lot of stuff there. Yeah. So, no. Here, here, was my, here was my pick, and I, and I said – this is at gunpoint, okay? I uh, I am in favor of the whole don't do anything deal, but um, this is if you held a gun at my head and said invite a team for all sports, I said this: Old Dominion. Okay, great, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, congrats. Um, um, oh, look, I know what you're gonna say. You know, they have some things going for them. Here's the problem: no disrespect, no one's gonna get excited when you say Old Dominion. Nobody's gonna get it. Like, where is that? Yeah. I don't even know what that is. ODU. What is that? Um, that's okay, not come on. If they, if they were called Virginia, if they were called, you know, Virginia something, like you know, Southern Virginia, people would be like, oh, okay, you know. But they have a funny name, so people are like, who's Old Dominion? I feel like, right. I mean, obviously to help to beat Virginia Tech, uh, you know, it's not terrible. They've got they're investing in it. If if you forced us to pick an all sports, right? Because I'm assuming this this would be all. Old Dominion would be an all sports. All sports, including selection. football. If you if you force me to pick one, I'm actually going to go UAB, and I'll tell you. Okay, why. that was my next one. I was going to ask you about. Go ahead, make it's your case. UAB, and I'll tell you. 
UAB's because you're in Birmingham market, which if you look at the college football numbers, it is always among the top rated markets for college sports. But and they're not the reason why. Well, neither. I got news for you. Neither is other markets in the American. <laughs> like New Orleans ain't the reason why Tulane, you know, that draws. But um, no, but it's Birmingham. Uh, their football team has done a heck of a job with Coach Clark going for rising from the dead to a, a conference championship. Their foot, their, they've actually spent money on the facilities. Their basketball program has tradition there. They've, they've invested in facilities there. They, they, I think they, in geography, they kind of make sense. You already have a bowl game in that region for the fans in the American. It's an easy destination. Um, that would be my pick. I'm not saying I would do it. All right, Murph. I'm just saying that if you force me to pick an all sports program, I would probably lean towards UAB because I know that Birmingham market. You could tap into that like you do with Philly and Temple and New Orleans and Orlando. I think that could work a little bit more than Old Dominion, although Norfolk's not a bad market. And I think UAB can be pretty good in every sport. That would be my pitch if I had to go. If I had to go all sports. Uh, yeah, it, it's. I'm worried about the risk that is like you know if if the state of Alabama killed UAB football once, would they be willing they to can't do it now. again? That's the beauty, and that that's a great storyline. UCF helps the program that Alabama tried to kill, and now you've got an ally, another ally to go after Alabama. Yeah. It's great. By the way, by the way, I did I I hopped online. And I did one of those. You, you know how you can find like the geographic midpoint of like a bunch of different points on a map. And I yeah. plotted the uh, eleven schools in the um, in the American, um, and found out the geographic midpoint of all of them. And you know where it was? Birmingham, right? Twenty four miles north of Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> Which is just—I couldn't believe it when I saw that. I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" And I, think, and I think the media would be supportive of that move because of the UAB storyline. It's Alabama. I, you know, I'm not saying it's the—it's gonna you know throw a parade, but. That would be my what, choice. What over about? Old, I think you're right, Jeff. I think Old Dominion would probably be my number two. What about you? Few. I'll give. I'll hold you at gunpoint now, Murph. Who are, who would you? Who would you <laughs> pick? You must pick an all sports thing. Or what would you do? You could pick. Or you could pick. I'll allow you to pick one for football and and one for everything else if oh, you wanted. I get, I get to pick. I get to pick two of something. I don't sure, sure. Yeah, you. Yeah. I, I think I know. I think I know where you're going to go. You're going to go BYU in football only and VCU what? and everything else. Absolutely. I mean, you just read my mind, Jeffrey. It's like we, we have this—we have this sort of genesis uh, uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey. Yeah. I, I'm I'm with you here. I'm with you. Well, you don't need to go to like. There's not. There's nothing that jumps out at you. So why should we say? You know what? We really need BYU, or we really need VCU. Like we're kind of just tossing it around. But really, if you want to go gun to the head situation, for me, it's like no. Just then, don't. Don't worry about it right now. No, no, like, don't. Well, well, isn't it true though that if you drop down below twelve and you kill off the divisions, that right? I know they probably. And I said they probably don't want to do that. So who do they pick? We've listed a bunch of a bunch of schools, none of which, and I don't care who you say, none of them are going to be like that, that. That makes definite sense. They should definitely kill. Yeah, none of them seem to move the needle, as they say. But I, I but why you would the closest BYU would be from a football standpoint would help right right uh, but but then my question to, then is like you know if let, let's say the American does decide to stay at 11 
I think it, now is it true that it's it's an NCAA rule that if you have a conference that has under twelve teams and you don't have divisions, that you must play a round robin schedule in football in order to have a championship game? Is that true? I'm not sure, Eric. You probably might know that. I don't think I don't know if that's one hundred percent true. The Big Twelve obviously did that, but they had the number, so the American would have to petition to have the championship game. Uh, with no divisions, 11 teams, and then they got to decide, do you go eight, you, do you keep it at eight games, do you go up to nine games? You know, I find this eerie that Mike Oresco brought this idea up. Yeah, me too, that's what I thought to, too. A few weeks ago, which I think tells you he knew this was coming. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, and, I, and I have a feeling that he's going to say, you see, when, he, when they get together over lobster in about a few weeks, what did I tell you, boys? You want to revisit that little deal I brought up there? You guys thought I was crazy? I think I wonder. So clearly, if that was in Mike's head already, I think it tells you they could get done. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you have to play everybody. Now, I will say this, because you haven't brought this team up. My choice for basketball, and it's a place that Murph knows well, I would actually pick Dayton. I would actually pick, and I'm going to give credit to Brandon Helwig of UCFSports.com because him and I were talking and he brought this up to me. He's done the research on Dayton, he's you know, and things like that. And I did some research after he brought it up and he was he nailed it. Their fans are phenomenal. They great they support every of their sports. They're, they're, that's a great market. That would be my basketball choice. They would they would they have a great fan base, kinda like Wichita State in basketball, not as good, but just as good. Um, they're good at basketball, they're good at other sports, it's an easy place to get to. You've, and from an Olympic sports standpoint, you could do Cincinnati and Dayton on a weekend. If you're volleyball, for example, or soccer, whatever, you can do that kind of stuff. That would be my pick. I would go Dayton if, it, if I had to pick a basketball team, and I would probably go BYU if you can in football. And if you can't get BYU in football, then ooh, that's I would just I, I again I just I agree with Murph. There's not another great exciting option in my opinion in football. That Dayton pick is is nice. It's right, fine. I'll go with that. I'm changing my pick from nothing to Dayton. It's, Thank you. It's fine. It's, Thank you. It's fine. It is a private college, by the way, Dayton is. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, and by now, the way, that means we can get that UCF Dayton baseball series, Murph. They got canceled early. Hey! Kill that. Well, hey, man, make up for lost time. Make up for the, Weren't they among the, the top teams in the A-10 in baseball? It was, uh, well, I don't know if they were this uh, but... Yeah, but it, it, I mean, it wouldn't have been for, for the last time uh, when uh, Dayton scheduled a series during their final week. Then we're not allowed to travel out of state for a non-conference series, but no one told them that before they actually scheduled the dang series. It should be noted, you know, Dayton has a football team. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah they play in the they play in Division One FCS. They're in the Pioneer League. Um <laughs> And uh, last won a oh, conference. Do they play Stetson by chance? Do they play Stetson? We can scout them. <laughs> they they uh, last won a a conference title in 2015. So not not too far, not too long ago. Um, Great. Yeah, that's about it. Chuck Knoll played for Dayton, by the way. Should, hey, Dan yeah. Patrick's an alum. That's right. Come on. Yeah. That's right. So all right. Well, I think we've pretty much beaten this horse dead to the ground. Um, beaten this this husky. Oh, I love huskies. I think right, later on, I let's not joke about violence against animals. Thank you. Oh well, you you beat a horse. We should discuss later on. I know we got to go to break and other stuff we got to get to. But which UCF team benefits? Which team UCF team gets hurt if any? Like I'm very fascinated from that standpoint. Okay. 
I tell you what, let's ba- let's do this. Basketball gets helped the most. Yeah, <laughs> that's why that's why we sent out the uh, we sent out the video of Coach Abe doing a dance when the word when the word came down. Um, I tell you what, let's do that when we get back from our next segment. We're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to talk about UCF players uh, in the NBA. Um, NBA summer leagues coming up. Five UCF Knights are getting uh, are, are getting the nod, and we're going to see them out in Vegas. And we talk about it with Philip Rossman Reich of the Orlando Magic Daily in just a moment. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez joining you here. And we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, UCF's uh, potential NBA uh, entrance this year. We have the NBA Summer League coming up with uh, free agency uh, also having uh, just finished up. Uh, the Summer League rosters are announced. And joining us now, he covers the uh, Orlando Magic for Orlando Magic Daily, runs the runs the site himself. Uh, Philip Rossman Reich joining us here for the first time on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast to talk a little UCF and NBA. What's going on, Philip? How are you? Not too much. Just uh, just bracing myself for what should be a very, very crazy free agency period. Are you heading out to uh, Vegas? I will not be in Vegas this year, unfortunately, uh, uh, but uh, I'm sure the chaos will find its way down here. <laughs> I bet. So, uh, so let's talk about the guys uh, who uh, who have gone from UCF to the uh, to the NBA. Nobody got drafted. First of all, was that a surprise to you that none of them heard their names called? Uh, you know, I, I think it was a little bit surprising. Like, I mean, I, I felt like both Taco Fall and, and Aubrey Dawkins had kind of outside chances to be picked in the second round. Um, you know, I thought. I thought Taco would, would be really interesting, especially because, you know, just there's something unique about him. I mean, being seven foot six, seven foot seven, there aren't a lot of guys like that. But but I think as we saw as the draft played out, centers were really devalued. I mean, a, a guy that there was a good comp, for, I guess, for for Taco was was Bull Bull. And, and a guy that that I had in my top 10 going in the top 10 and several people had going in the lottery at the very least slipped all the way into the second round. And so I think what, what became really clear is, is that the NBA – it valued at least in this draft guys with a lot of positional versatility and, and kind of, and, you know, despite taco being a pretty unique player, didn't feel comfortable spending a draft pick on him. Now, I mean, I think it was pretty obvious that he'd latch on somewhere. He was going to get a chance, but um, I, I think it was still a, a little bit surprising that a player that unique would, would kind of enter the open market. But, you know, having said that, if you're getting picked at the end of the second round, it's better not to get drafted because then you get to pick which situation is best for you. And 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 I think we'll we'll kind of see that for Aubrey and Taco especially. I think they found really good spots for them. Yeah, and and Taco did find his spot with the Boston Celtics. But I want to transition real quick to Aubrey Dawkins because you mentioned you know you you and a lot of us have been really high on Aubrey considering that he seems to have the right NBA game. Obviously, his pedigree speaks for itself. We saw the best of that in the game against Duke where he was the best player on the floor going up against three lottery picks. He lands with the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, good fit for him? What do you think? You know, I, I think I think it's hard to say that that he's a good fit with that specific team because they signed him to, to I believe, what's called an Exhibit 10 contract, which essentially means we're inviting you to training camp. We're going to give you a little bit of extra money just to, just to be in our camp. And then we're going to send you to the G League for a year. So if he does make the Pelicans roster eventually, the team that he joins might might be a very different one than the team that that he, uh, quote unquote, signed up with. But the thing I really like about Aubrey Dawkins is I, I feel like he's the kind of player that can fit in anywhere. I mean, I think one of the hardest things to do as far as evaluating college prospects and, and figuring out how they fit into the NBA 
is most of these guys are their team's leading scorer, are the best player on their team in college. That's not what they're going to do at the pros. And so what I really look at is, is do you have skills that can support other players? And I think with Dawkins shooting, I think that his defense is pretty solid too. You know, not elite by any means, but pretty solid. I think that Dawkins will be a perfect role player. And honestly, I think that he would fit in with just about any team that would pick him. He's got good positional size, um, decent, you know, decent versatility, able to guard both wing positions. And he's got a good outside shot. And I think that's always a good place to start. Philip Rosman, right, joining us here from uh, Orlando Magic Daily. Go ahead, Eric. Philip, let's talk about the B.J. Taylor, who I think is going to be an interesting storyline. Uh, local kid out of Boone High School. You covered him. Obviously, I'm up close at UCF. He's now with the Magic in Summer League alongside Chad Brown. But, you know, B.J. Taylor, what, what's your thoughts on B.J. Taylor? And do you think he has a shot to make this Magic roster, a roster that, you know, as you know, on a daily basis, the one of the questions going into this offseason is going to be the point guard's position at the Magic. Last year, the Magic signed – uh, Isaiah Briscoe out of Summer League. What's your thoughts on this B.J. Taylor-Orlando Magic marriage here in the Summer League? I mean, I think I think it's going to be interesting. I think there, there is a little bit of he's the local kid, let's give him a try thing. And, and certainly, you know, if they're considering him for the Lakeland Magic, uh, you know, I think one of the things that, that we don't always talk about a lot is that, yes, those are minor league teams. They want to sell. And so if you have a kid from Orlando, maybe you can draw some, some people from Central, from Orlando out to Lakeland for games. But uh, you know, I, I think BJ's a really, really interesting case. I mean, he's obviously a very gifted scorer, but the thing that I thought was always missing about him at UCF was his efficiency. I mean, I have his stats up here in front of me. His field goal percentage, his four playing seasons at UCF, 37.4% shooting, 41.4% shooting 2017, 39.8% shooting in 2018, 38.4% shooting in 2019. I know that he had the ball a lot more in his hands, and, and that's probably not what that's what's going to be asked of him. But that 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 scoring efficiency, I think, leaves some big questions, especially coming out of the point guard position. He's he's a scoring point guard, and I think from that position he defines some efficiency. The thing he definitely has working for him, though, is is he's a he's a pretty solid shooter. You know, shooting thirty five point nine percent for his career, thirty eight point eight percent from three, thirty seven point two percent from three over the last two years. I think that will help him a ton. But the big thing with BJ is. He's got to stay healthy, which, which you know, he had some issues with at, at UCF. Uh, and, and he's got to be become a better playmaker and distributor. And so, you know, I think that's what he's going to have to show and prove himself at Summer League. And then if he can parlay that into a G League contract or, or a contract overseas, I think he can continue to develop his game. And then we can see where he is uh, further on down the road. I'm glad you um, brought up the Lakeland aspect of it, because I do think that's a an underlining story here. If I'm the magic, if, you, if Chad Brown who I think is just going to be there for practice at Summer League. But if BJ can you know, prove himself to at least get a G League contract, I think that'd be a nice marketing business move for the Magic for him to be in Lakeland, don't you think, Philip? Because they've had this Lakeland team, but there's not to say that they want buzz for it, but that would certainly help a little bit to have a local guy in Lakeland. And I think it definitely would, and I think it would help. Just, I mean, he's he's a scorer. I mean, you, I mean, you could put the ball in his hands, and and you know, it might take him a few shots to get there, but but he'll put up points. And I don't think he's a selfish player. I mean, don't get don't get me wrong. I don't think he's out there purposely kind of chucking up shots to get numbers. That, that that's not who he is at all. But you know, he's got to increase that efficiency. I think he's got to become a better playmaker. And yeah, I think the G League would be a really good place for that. I mean, it's not clear whether Troy Copain will be back with Lakeland next year because the Magic didn't include him on their summer league roster. Um, as one of their two-way players. And so I think that there's definitely 
there's definitely some flux at the point guard position, both in Lakeland and in Orlando. And so I think there there's opportunity there. And really, it's just going to be about BJ showing what he can do. Any chance, any, any, any chance, by the way, real quick, if he has a just just dominate, has an amazing summer league that he could be in a Briscoe and shock people and, and get a contract with the Magic and have a chance to make the roster? Or is that roster too much, uh, too, 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 many, too many things going on in that roster that there's no room for him? You know, I, I think there, there's always a chance. I mean, I think Orlando has that kind of third point guard spot open right now. Um, you know, Isaiah Briscoe still recovering from injury. He's obviously not on the summer league roster. Um, Michael Carter-Williams' future isn't particularly clear. I, I believe he's a free agent this summer. So Orlando definitely has a spot on the roster for someone. Um, they they have two-way contracts to offer. So if B.J. Taylor goes out there in, in, the, mini, in the summer mini camp or in, in practice and really shows up and shows out, the Magic are, have proven they'll, they'll absolutely make that offer. I mean, Briscoe was a virtual unknown. They signed him before Summer League even started. That's how impressed they were with him. Uh, and, and so anything is certainly possible. I mean, I would say this, though. What really helps you stand out with the Magic is your defense and defensive intensity. Briscoe was kind of a wrecking ball last year in a good way, I think, in the kind of defensive energy he brought in. You know, that's something that I think B.J. Taylor is going to have to prove about himself, that, that he can be a better one-on-one -on -one defender at this level if he wants to make that step. And, and that's really, I think, how you stand out to the Orlando Magic's front office. I was going to say, one of the guys that you mentioned, he'll be competing with Troy Copain, another guy from the American out of Cincinnati, too. Um, let's, I want to circle back to Taco Fall, because one of the fears, I think, uh, in analyzing him in the NBA, and he signed with the Boston Celtics, another one of those Exhibit 10 contracts that you were talking about, um, is at 7'6", I, I think Danny White said this, which I think was true. 20 years ago, he's the number one overall pick, right? Absolutely. Um, he has surefire, sure surefire sure first round pick at the very least. Yeah, at the, at the very least. And his measurables during the combine compared very favorably to Yao Ming, who, when we look at super tall guys in the NBA, that's the guy that I think a lot of people look to and say that that's that's what a super tall guy should be, more so than say, you know, what George Murison was, or even to a degree, Minute Bowl. But you know, Taco, it's a different game nowadays, and it, it, the big man, the value of the big man has been. Uh, significantly um, diminished in terms of you know what a traditional big man can do, especially compared to what they do at the college level. So, how would or how should Taco Fall fit into any NBA team, be it Boston or whoever else might take a shot on him in the future, in order to adapt to the NBA game in the 2020s? You know, I think that the best comparison for for Taco Fall and the kind of role that he can have is uh, Boban Marjanovic of, of the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, you know, formerly of the L.A. Clippers and, and Detroit Pistons and, and San Antonio Spurs before that. Um, Marjanovic is, you know, kind of this modern marvel. He's, he's seven foot three, you know, has ridiculously large hands. He's just this, this really big dude, that, big dude. Uh, and he's kind of the specialist. The, 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 the Sixers would, you know, kind of run him as the backup center, play him maybe – five, six minutes at a time against bench lineups uh, and and really just kind of change the game defensively. I mean, I think no matter, you know, and, and I think we saw this at UCF, when Taco falls on the floor, both offensively and defensively, you have to take account for him um, because he's just so big. And and honestly, I think what what's most impressive about Taco Fall is, is not necessarily his measurables. It's that for a guy his size, he moves really, really well. 
Yeah. Um, he has good mobility. I mean, it's not like elite mobility by any stretch of the imagination, but for a guy his size, he moves faster and better than you would think. He's not he's not George Murasan, like you said. Um, he, he is, you know, I never thought of the Yao Ming comparison, but yes, he he kind of skews more toward Yao Ming, although I think Yao Ming was able to put on weight a little bit better than than, Ta- than Taco uh, can or, or has so far. Um, but I, I think that that's ultimately what Taco's role is. You, you, you bring him in, for five minutes at a time, you know, say early second quarter, and you you just force the other team to think a little bit more, to to you know not attack the paint as much, where he just gobbles up rebounds and is able to to, to you know to pick up rebounds and pick up shots that others wouldn't, and just just finish really simple simple dunks, simple shots like that. Um, and I think that there is a role for him in the NBA doing that. Um, obviously the big thing is putting on some more strength and. And, 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 you know, being able to, to withstand that pounding. But I don't think any team is going to ever ask him to fill out a role where he's playing 15, 20 minutes a game. I mean, he'll probably, he'll probably top off at 10 or 12, but he can be really effective in those 10 to 12 minutes per game. And, and I think that's, I mean, I think teams can, can scheme around it and, 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 and use him as kind of a short term kind of game changing center in that way. In the same way that we, you know, again, see that Boban can do. I mean, I think the big thing with Boban though, is he's been able to develop a little bit of a jumper, and and that's going to be the big thing for Taco Falls. He's got to be able to extend his range and and you know provide a little bit of value at the free throw line. Yeah, and then also the the other thing I was thinking about. Too, I'm glad you brought up the fact that you know his his mobility was never really a problem because I always thought that you know people always talk about big men with their feet. How good are the how good is their footwork? Taco's footwork was excellent. I thought that it was his hands that he needed to work on mm-hmm. more in terms of catching cleanly and not bringing the ball down where you know shorter guys can. Swipe at it. Let me ask you this as we're wrapping up here with uh, Philip Rossman Reich of the Orlando Magic Daily. Um, at gunpoint, okay, which of these guys would you see uh, being an NBA on an NBA roster soonest? I think on an NBA roster soonest. Glad I got you know, you. I got I, a good, know, I gave you a good one here. I, I know, I know. I, I'm like, I'm like debating <laughs> like two different things. Like, I, I, okay, let me let me answer the question this way. Okay. I, I think that if you're you're asking me who the surest bet is to make an NBA roster at some point, it's probably going to be Taco Fall uh, because of the the just the uniqueness factor. Um, you know, there there aren't a lot of players like him, and and I think he can be effective when you give him the right role. If you ask me who I think the best NBA player might be. I probably go with Aubrey Dawkins because, um, like I said, I think I think Dawkins has all the tools that you want in an NBA player and an NBA role player, and you can kind of plug him in wherever you want. Um, you know, you look at New Orleans, especially. You know, despite having Drew Holiday, Zion Williamson, and, and all the young guys that they have, I, I don't think we're going to expect New Orleans to really compete for a playoff spot this year. Um, so there might come a time late in the season when, yeah, they're willing to call Dawkins up and sign him to a sign him to a contract for the rest of the season. And see what he can do out there. Um, you know, that's kind of what you want to do with your Exhibit Ten guys. So he's probably in a better position to make the NBA sooner. Um, but I also think that again, Taco's uniqueness is going to be intriguing to a lot of teams. If he can prove that he can play at the G League level, he'll get a, he'll get calls to, to to be on on a main roster. All right, uh, Eric, you got anything? No, that's that's fascinating to me. You like talking? Do you think Boston is a possible? 
landing spot for him? You think it's going to be elsewhere? I'm assuming you think it, it, for these guys, do you think where they're at right now in the summer league teams, is this just a temporary thing and the, it really their their best shot's going to be somewhere else in the future? Or do you think any of these guys have a chance to stick with the, the team that they're with in the summer? I mean, I definitely think they both have a chance to stick with the teams that they're that they're with in the summer. I mean, obviously, both those teams like them enough to to kind of sign them to Exhibit Ten contracts and 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 kind of get them guaranteed with them at least for training camp uh, and kind of keep them within their system. You know, I, I think Boston. You know, Boston's in such a weird spot. Uh, you know, it, it, all reports are they're going to let Al Horford go. They've traded away Aaron Baines. They've kind of cleared the deck, and they clearly need a center and. You know, for for Orlando fans, Nikola Vucevic is certainly one of the centers that they're targeting. But there's an open center spot there in Boston, um, and and, and it, I don't think it's crazy to think that if you know Taco looks really good, uh, and Boston feels comfortable with the with whichever other center they acquire, I think there's the potential that Taco could make the roster straight out of camp. Um, I think that's completely possible. I mean, I think if Aubrey Dawkins has a really good summer league uh, and shows up really well, especially on the defensive side. There's a chance New Orleans could sign him outright, um, and and if they don't get, you know, that they're Exhibit Ten guys, so they'll go back down to the G League. Once you're in the G League, you're not bound to any team. Anyone can go sign you. So if you play really, really well, you can go off to any team that wants to sign you at that point. You know, they, they, these teams don't hold their rights over them until the end of camp, essentially. And so, you know, I, I think both these guys can can be really impressive and 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 impress impress teams enough that they'll be in the mix when the first round of kind of G League call-ups come up. Good Lord. Could you imagine Bill Simmons on his podcast talking about when Taco Fall gets called up to the Boston Celtics? I don't even want to think about this right now. Uh, <laughs> Philip Rossman Wright. it's not Nikola us. Vucevic, we're good. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Philip Rossman Wright joining us. Philip RR underscore OMD. Philip, uh, that's with one L, RR underscore OMD on Twitter, Phil. Are there any other places where people can uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, best uh, the other best place is at Daily for, for all our Orlando Magic content, uh, as, as I'm sure everyone loves to cheer on the hometown team. All right, Phil. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, enjoy the summer as best you can, and uh, Godspeed come free agency, all right? <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, thanks again to uh, Philip. What a great follow he is about uh, Orlando Magic news. He's absolutely fantastic. Um one other uh, note that I wanted to uh, pass along that I'm so sorry we forgot to mention here, um, but uh, A.J. Davis is getting a shot as well. Um, obviously, a year removed from uh, being with UCF, but he will play for the Philadelphia 76ers in the uh, Summer League. Uh, he was picked up by the Sixers um, just this week, in fact. So uh, you've got Taco, you've got A.J., you've got B.J., you've got Chad, you've got... Um, uh, you got Aubrey. It's a. There's going to be a lot of UCF guys to uh, uh, to, uh, to to feast your eyes upon. So we're gonna. I'm gonna put up a schedule, a, a D League schedule, to see if we can uh, see if we can watch those guys, and we'll update some D League stuff every now and then from that. So congrats to AJ. Hope he gets a shot as well. So um, real quick, and, and Murph and Eric, you guys are back with me. I just want to ask you guys. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but um, Philip brought up that good point about which NBA, which UCF player do you think we'll see first, and then which one do you might might we see for the most uh, amount of time in the NBA? Um, uh, so, uh, Brian, I'll start with you. Who are we going to see first, and who are we going to see the most? Aubrey and Aubrey. Ah, okay. All right. How about you, Eric? 
Yeah, I think Aubrey will have the most success, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, Philip brought up the point. I wouldn't be shocked if Taco is, say, a backup or like the 12th or 13th guy in Boston. I mean, a lot of this depends on what happens in free agency. So I could see him being like a second or third string big man and being on the roster quicker than an Aubrey Dawkins who may have to work the rounds. Who knows? I, but I would. Yeah. I'm going to go. With, I'm going to stay with Murph and agree with him and go with Aubrey. That's interesting. That's interesting. All right. Yeah, I think Aubrey has the best chance. I just hope that Aubrey finds the right spot. I feel like that's going to be yeah, the most important. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, Taco, you know, I don't know. It's just going to depend on how he develops. But even. You know, at seven six, there's you know there's so many different things you can do. I, he made a lot of guys made the case about you know Boban, right? But yeah, um, you know, I feel like he 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 could people are gonna laugh, but he could be a sort of late era Sean Bradley, where he was. Uh, you, you yeah, know, but that, that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, Sean Bradley was a shot blocker and a, and a rim protector for most of his for most of his career, and that's pretty much what he was. He wasn't what everyone thought he would be coming out of BYU, but, um, but you know, he, he is among the NBA's all-time leaders in block shots, and I think Taco could do the same, a little bit more athletic, I think, than Sean was, closer to Yao Ming, although he's not, I don't think he's quite Yao Ming athletic, but he's certainly athletic enough. All right. He's not as skilled as Yao Ming either, I would say that. Not even close. And I would mention, too, that that Boban at least did attempt Eight threes last year. So Boban's trying. I do think I do think BJ is fascinating because you know Philip brought it up. I think there's a chance to be a third string point guard at the Magic. I think Augustine and Fultz are definitely going to be on that roster. We don't know what you're going to get in Fultz, so they may carry an extra guard or two. Do they go after a free agent or not? Can BJ impress them enough? I would be surprised if BJ Taylor is least is not in Lakeland by the start of the season. Don't I, you think, doesn't that just make a lot of sense from a business standpoint, marketing standpoint, if you're the Magic, and have a local UCF kid, a Boone kid, to play it, at Lakeland there and say, hey, go out to catch out the little bit of G League hoops. Well, it, it does, but are we thinking with our heart and not our head there? You know what I mean? I mean, I, I would. Well, I, mean, I mean, I would have liked to have seen that about Jermaine Taylor too. I mean, they they, they could have they could have easily put Jermaine Taylor on that first well, Lakeland team, but they didn't, and so now he's in the big three. Of course, by well, the way, news on that front: Jermaine Jermaine ruptured his Achilles playing big three. So yeah. we um, we want to send out his send out uh, good thoughts and prayers to him that for a speedy recovery on that because that's a huge bummer. He's been fighting injuries his entire pro career. But back to what you were saying, Eric. Go ahead. Well, I mean, remember, Copain, the former Cincinnati one who Philip talked about, was in the with Lakeland. So is, can BJ beat him out, let's just say, hypothetically, right? Like, can he – that's the difference. They do They do need point guard help, you know, whereas the problem that Jermaine is, as good as he was, wing players are – you know, you can find wing players anywhere. And yeah, that, and, they're a dime a dozen. Defense, exactly. That's the problem. Yeah. So, All right. That would be my well, we're going to be watching the NBA Summer League um, and keeping an eye on that. Can't By the wait. way, the dates for the Vegas Summer League, uh, July 5th through the 15th. Um, there are a couple of other Summer Leagues before that. Murph, but that's... Want to do a Summer League draft, Murph? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, don't let's even do it. stop it. Stop it. I'm not having this. All right. Let's, let's, do, like, let's do that first, and then let's draft programs that the AAC will add to be its 12 teams. There you go. I'm equally pumped about both <laughs> both objectives. <laughs> All right. We're not going to do that. Instead, when we get back, we're going to go back to the UConn thing. We're going to talk about which UCF teams benefit from it the most, and then we'll wrap up the show from there. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Back after this. 
All right, back here at the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Uh, just wrapping it up here. We're going to go back to the whole UConn Athletic Department at American Athletic Conference thing. And uh, before we go, I just wanted to wrap this and, and, and talk about it a little bit more from the UCF side because I don't think we actually 100% of the way uh, dove in on this. But um, Which is really what matters the most. Right, right. It, it, right. It, but we're going to go through the UCF programs and, and talk about which which schools. We kind of touched upon a little bit, but which programs will benefit the most from from UConn um, leaving the American. And I think that a lot of this is sort of contingent on, you know, who do they add, right? I mean, it, it's going to be – or if they add anybody. So um, so it, this is kind of halfway down. But just base, we're going to base this strictly on the idea of UConn leaving the conference. The dish, is it addition by subtraction? Or not? I think we talked about how um, for UCF football, um, or well, definitely for women's basketball, it's a net positive because now. Well, let me let me let me play the count the devil's advocate on that. Okay. I mean, the obvious reason the the obvious reasons why it's a benefit is because hey, we can actually win the league now, right? Right. That's the obvious. But here's my question to this, to my counter to that, and I, I, devil's advocate number one, you just lost the one game a year if you get them at home there were people actually come and attend the game right like would you agree? i mean you were there right jeff i mean they draw they draw they do draw people to that arena for women. a lot of really old people coming down from the villages to watch you oh, as long as they pay with a, as long as they pay the tickets you're getting money out of it you know what i'm saying so you do lose some income from I mean, that is significant that you lose a draw from a from that standpoint at the gate and then on television I mean, ucf was on espn2 last year at uconn in the regular season are they going to be on ESPN2 in the future now without UConn? I'm not so sure. So I think that hurts from that standpoint of the league, uh, you know, as far as the gate and then the television coverage on that regard. Because, And now I think the question is going to be from the league is, is this a one-bid league, whoever wins the conference tournament gets the bid, or can they prove to be a multi-bid league without UConn? I think those are the questions moving forward for the league. What do you think? Tubes. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, no, I, th- I thought that would be Eric's point of view there. That without UConn, you know, no one really, there was no reason to care about this conference. You know, they were the only reason why they were the, they were even on national TV is because UConn was so dominant. However, I, I can't. I, I do not know if they're too big. I just don't know that. That really is more of a season to season proposition. Um, but just in terms of like. You know, this this opens the door for UCF women's basketball to make the tournament probably on a more consistent basis, only be, only because there's a better chance of them winning conference tournament. And wouldn't you want that opportunity to make the NCAA tournament a greater opportunity to make that tournament more than just well, we're we're sort of riding the coattails of this this sort of Goliath who's helping us sort of get name recognition because they are beating up on the rest of us, but we'll take it for the good of the conference. I, I'm, I'm not sure if, if that over if that uh, outweighs the, the, the specter of we actually now can make you know make it to a tournament every year uh, and have a real shot at winning the conference tournament with the auto the automatic bid because yeah. we don't have this this leviathan standing in our way. Suddenly, you know what really what this really means is suddenly the war on I four in women's basketball just got a dramatic yep. Yep. kick in overdrive. That's what happened, I think. Well, I agree. I agree. It's a great point. Uh, and, you know, South Florida and UCF, the good news is I think both programs know how to schedule out of conference, which I think becomes imperative. You have to schedule well out of conference. I think both schools do that. You're right. That game just goes up a different level in that rivalry, whereas now 
you know, you could be playing for championships. Uh, you know, not to disrupt. I mean, I think Cincinnati, we'll see. Maybe they can move up and challenge. I mean, who knows? I think there's so many questions after that that it's too, too – but I, you're right, Jeff. To me, the American women's hoops now, it, from a two-bid league standpoint, it's probably UCF and USF because I think we trust both Jose Fernandez and Katie – uh, and Abe to take care of business. So I think that's what that's where it's going to go to um, uh, in that regard. Men's hoops, uh, Brian. I know you touched upon this a little bit, but um, yeah. net positive. Uh, I mean, obviously, it depends on who they add. We've we've talked about Dayton and VCU, uh, but I, so I, I I mean that. But we're just speculating right now. It's 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 UConn or no one right now. So no, it's a net negative right now because. Okay. If there's anything that UConn is nationally known for, it's, it's it, athletically, it's basketball. Ba- and and we also touched upon baseball. Oh, I'm sorry, Eric. Go ahead. Well, I just want to add to Mer. It is a negative on a television standpoint too. I mean, UConn is a draw television-wise. Men's hoops. It's a good TV draw matchup there. The one thing I will counter with Mer's point though is the Americans been good the last few years despite UConn struggling. It's not like UConn yeah. has been at the top of the league. So the good news is. You know, you're you're starting. You know, you got Memphis. I think Memphis is the blue chip deal with Penny Hardaway, and then Sampson will what he's built at Houston. And I actually agree with Coach Sampson. Cincinnati's been the rock solid. Hey, they're dependable. Now we'll see if that continues without Mick Cronin. But I, I think that's your right there, your blood right there. And then Wichita State. I think those are your four teams that you got to build around. And then you hope that USF and UCF can sneak in there. I think USF's going to have a lot of high expectations this year. I think you hope yeah. Coach Dawkins, obviously from the men's side uh, can certainly move up. And I will say this, I think Dan Hurley was going to be, was going to turn around UConn. So you could argue UCF now it's one or two tougher games that you lose that maybe helps you get to a tournament more often. So there's two ways of looking at it. Uh, I, I think it's, I think I agree with Murphy. It's a minor thing because you have to respect what that men's program is in college basketball. You can't say it's a positive losing UConn. And I know where this is kind of off the base, but since we're talking about the, the power I, I will point. I don't know what the odds are, but there is a sort of money line to USF being the second best team in this conference. I would probably bet it. Probably some good money on that. <laughs> chance of doing that. Hmm. Woo! All right. Uh-oh. Hot takery indeed. Um, uh, baseball. I, I know you touched upon baseball too, Murph. It, it's see now. I think this is also an interesting double-edged sword case where, um, yeah, you know, yeah. Okay, so you lose a quality opponent. Um, but by the same token, you lose a quality opponent, <laughs> um, and and it it could make the uh, it could make your run to the championship easier. It also, obviously, again, depending upon whether or not they add anybody, it does ba- it would at the moment at least balance out the schedule where you don't have that silly, you know, open date weekend, um, where you know, it, it, it's well, let me just ask a mess. You both let me ask you both this question, Murph. You start with you. Let me ask you this: If you're Greg Lovelady, and Coach Penders calls you, says, "Hey, Greg, you know we played every year. I know we're not in the same league, but I'd be interested in coming to your coming to your place for a three game weekend non conference series. Do you do it? Yep. Yeah, I would do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't think, think I would, that there's I, the, I don't think that there's a, there's the bad blood between UConn baseball and UCF baseball as there probably will be say between like coach abe and gino oriema but right 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 no i agree and I, but because here's the thing uconn screwed baseball wise if you're coach penders you're going from the number five league in baseball to number 17 yeah <laughs> so if you're uconn you have to schedule really good non-conference 
Otherwise, you're going to have to win the Big East tournament just to get into the tournament, whereas in the American, you had a bit of a wiggle room. Um, so they're going to be looking for quality games or a respected program. And if I'm UCF, Houston, I would still try – I would if they want, I would still add them to your home slate for the non-conference. Because here's the thing, you don't – and I wouldn't – I'm not saying you go to UConn uh, because you have all the leverage. UConn needs to find those quality games. Yeah. And uh, so I would do well, that. Plus, I mean, I they're, they're more than likely going to be looking to come down south either. Yeah, or down exactly. south anyway. So, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, now let me. Now here's the thing. I think for baseball, it obviously, it does hurt him. But but I, the good news for baseball, everybody in the league except Memphis has proven that they can be an NCAA tournament team. Um, Cincinnati did it this year. You you just assume they maybe improve. Here's the. I think there's. Uh, you want you you assume if you're the league, UCF USF bounces back up to being a, a tournament team. They both have been capable of doing that. We know the ties. My question is. The wild card in this is I think Wichita State and Tulane are one that need to step up, Murph. They have tradition. They're capable of making the tournament. Tulane has struggled since Prince, their head coach, left for Texas. And then Wichita State has struggled. They just got rid of their coach. But I think you have the ability to still be a top-five league, but they need either Wichita State or Tulane to step up, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, this is really what this is about. Like, you lose a great – you lose a really solid tournament team, so to, to to offset that, you need your other teams to step up, man. That's not a that, that's 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 not you know that's not rocket science. That's what they're going to need. That's what they're going to need. Um, softball, Eric. Way, Lopez. Oh, UConn, go ahead. UConn, UConn was the top thirty RBI team in baseball the last two years, and we've mentioned six out of the last ten years in the regional. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is not some like, oh, they're okay. Like, no, they're really good. Yeah, no, they're, they're really good. good. Although they're going to be hurt by going to the Big East. If I'm Penders, yes. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm living. I mean, it's yeah. a terrible move because you're screwed. You're never going to host ever again. Uh, anyway. UConn uh, softball, Eric, last year was 21-29, and 8-13 and 13 yep. overall, and that seems to be about where they end up every year, isn't it? Correct, and that and they're usually 100 or worse, probably even closer to 150 on a given year RPI-wise. So I think coaches inside the league would say hallelujah um, <laughs> because that's three less games that hurt your RPI. The American currently is at a 17-league which is what they were from uh, the last, I believe it was 2015 through 2017 before Wichita State arrived. Because what happened was when the American first started, Temple had softball, but dropped softball after 2014. They dropped baseball they too, was, by the way, also. Correct. Valid point. And so what softball did is they had the top, the regular season champion get to buy into the semifinal. And you would have the two versus seven, the three versus six, and the four versus five. They added Wichita State to go back up to eight. Now they're at seven, um, assuming they don't add anybody. I think they're 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 thrilled. They're the biggest benefactor because Connecticut, unfortunately, did hurt them from an RPI standpoint. And I think the the, the American, if anything, uh, benefits from that. And, and now it creates an extra weekend where you can have a buy, or you could schedule somebody extra during your, your scheduling. So I actually think it's a big win for the league and for UCF. Those are the exact same things that you could say about UConn volleyball as well. I just wanted to get there because yep. last year yep. they were 7-11 and 11 in the league, 15-16. Yep. and 16. They were always they're always kind of middling, you know, in the and, league. And, and so, I think, go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. I will say this. I think you would agree UConn women's volleyball and softball is probably, if you're them, you're probably happy you're going back to the Big East because you have a more realistic chance oh, to compete. Oh, you're definitely happy about that if you're them. Right? Uh, Let's be fair about I, yeah. it. I, mean, you know, I think that's a – I think softball, will they'll, they'll benefit from being in the Big East and as volleyball would as well. 
two interesting cases that we're going to talk about. Men's soccer. Um, UConn, traditionally a very good men's soccer program. Um, they finished yeah. fourth this year. Um, UCF and SMU. It's, it's usually SMU, UConn. Um, with UCF kind of kind of a, a relative newcomer to uh, success in in the men's soccer uh, arena in the American net positive or uh, or a loss for UCF with UConn leaving the league. Ooh, you know that's a tricky one. UConn's a good men's soccer program, and I don't know, Jeff, you were there last year. Don't you feel that UCF UConn men's soccer was kind of developing a little rivalry there? I mean, the last two years they played in the tournament. They had UCF beat them two years ago in Dallas in a controversial goal that wasn't counted or whatever. Yeah. Last they played a wild game in Orlando, which UCF won. They're a good soccer program, so I can't say that that helps the league, right? I mean, uh, I, yeah, it doesn't I, help them. I, I feel like the, they were uh, – UConn certainly helped elevate the American as a whole as a, a, in, in men's soccer much more than they detracted from it. I, I, I think that – um, as other programs got better, UCF is on the upswing. South Florida is on the upswing. Um, that was, I think, those are the, the loss of UConn kind of hurts the American in terms of men's soccer, and that they're going to have to be very careful about who they add um, for a, for a sport that's kind of a growth sport right now um, in college. As far as women's soccer is concerned, UConn has never really been much of a much of a threat last year they were four and 14 no, last year two and seven on. they were early on they were early on uh they were actually a pest to ucf then they've dropped off so it's hard to it's kind of, that's a hard one to handicap because i don't know which uconn they've had success but they've dropped off mm-hmm. um so that's a tricky one but i think the league is women's soccer has more depth when you think of a memphis and a south florida and ucf let's be honest in women's soccer you're, that league at best, you're going to be a two to three bid league anyway. So I think those are your flagship teams as far as women's soccer is concerned. I think men's soccer is, is hurt a little bit more because I think UConn could, is a tournament team usually. Now the men's soccer, where are we looking at, uh, uh, Jeffrey? What is it? South Florida, UCF? Yeah. That? Uh, well, in men's soccer, you SM, can't forget SMU, about SMU. SMU. I forgot yeah. SMU is yeah. a real power. I mean, they're, 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 they mean business in men's soccer, there's no doubt. So, all right. Well, again, we're just going to have to wait and see. More news is going to come out uh, uh, in sort of the aftermath of this, you tend to think. But, um, but uh, yeah, it's happening. UConn is out of here. I will say this. Obviously, football, you don't miss anything on the field. I do think it could get tricky because if they don't add anybody, they're probably going to have to get rid of divisions. And, it'd be, you know, it could get a little bit of a trickery road to get to the New Year's Six Bowl game of UCF. So that could hurt you in that regard. But at the end of the day, I mean, nobody's really going to lose sleep over, you know, right. playing UConn. Although, we'll miss the uh, the conflict trophy. <laughs> yes. And then, you know what? I'll miss the spread for the UConn football game, which was really solid. Was the it? press yeah. box was nice. Yeah, it was very nice. Rensselaer Field's nice. It's, you know, in Hartford. You know, not bad. They did a lot of work oh, to yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. The other thing, by the way, real tri- this is going to be interesting after this year, is where does the women's basketball tournament go? Uh, because they've been at, at at the Mohican Arena forever, so do they just push that and put that in Fort Worth, where, where the men's is going to be? What the next two three years, Murph? They're going to be in Fort yeah. Worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm curious if the women just go ahead. They just put the women right there in Fort Worth as well. Uh, dude, you know, you know, Orlando's going to try and bid on that hard, man. You know yeah, that's going to happen. So. I mean, we're probably going to see that happen probably the next three years. Who knows? 
Um, I would not be surprised to see that. So, all right. Tell you what, Mer- tr- your trip to Rhode Island in about a month for media days just got a lot more interesting, though, after this week, doesn't it? Oh, boy. I can't wait to ask, uh, ask uh, Mike Norvell what team he thinks is going to join the American for football. <laughs> well, you get, to ask, you get to ask Colin Sherwin that. He's, he's trying to kick people out of the American. He's trying to kick ECU and Tulsa out. <laughs> Yeah. I know. I, I'm, I like, saw, I'm like, I I'm like, I'm like, slow your roll, dude. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, people think like, hey, we got UConn out of here. Why don't we just do some Yeah, let's just, let's just, yeah, let's just start, let's just start booting teams out on Moss. <laughs> yeah. And then who do we, who do we want to invite in their place? Like, oh, Texas. <laughs> yeah, Texas. Let's invite Texas and Oklahoma. Florida. Let's do it. Let's let's just kill the Big 12 right now while we can. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> it's All right. Let's uh let's wrap this thing up. Murph, what you got going on this week? Uh still preparing for that trip to Rhode Island in a couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, other than that, see what comes down the water. Maybe uh maybe they'll have a surprise for us. Maybe uh Old Dominion will send out a quick tweet uh, hinting at a possible agreement with the AAC. I know you're your mouth is watering. Oh, let's go Monarchs. Let's go Monarchs. How about you, Eric? We're doing the top 25 games. We got one we got one up uh earlier today. We're going to have another one up. At, we're going to just roll them out day by day, aren't we now? Yeah, we're going to get us through the summer. You know, I got it's celebrating the UCF athletic year, maybe the best athletic year of all time. Danny White, who by the way, I think was released uh Brandon was tweeting about it. I guess now as we now know he's like at the top 20 Paid athletic directors or something to that mm-hmm. extent. Top, top twenty, top fifteen paid athlete uh, salary for an athletic director in the country, worth every wow. penny. Boy, he is really hurting so the brand, isn't he? <laughs> so yeah. it's a tribute to him for the great athletic year and his vision for top twenty being, you know, this quote about being a top twenty-five athletic department. We're doing out the top twenty-five games of the year uh, throughout the UCF athletics. Uh, what number are we at right now, Mer- uh, Jeffrey? You said we got twenty-three coming out tomorrow. All right, cool. Uh, there you go. So I'm, I'm sure you and Murph and Jeff will uh, throw your commentary on Twitter every time uh, one of those matchups comes, comes available. I'm sure Murph will be counting how many of the top 25. That's the big question. How many of my top 25 was Brian Murphy actually at? Will be fascinating. You know, you know, I oh, forgot. Wow. I forgot the one you had for 24, and I remember that was a really good one. That was the the women's soccer game against Florida, where yep. they played the first half and then it got washed out because of the lightning, and. And they ended up because they didn't hit seventy minutes. They had to replay the game when UCF was up three to nothing, and then come back the next day, nothing, nothing. Right at the beginning, I'm like, "This is crap." And then UCF wins three nothing anyway. But um, but yeah, that was uh, I forgot all about that one, man. Yeah, that's a good that's a good find. So, all right, right so we got that twenty four on my list. Yep, that was twenty four yep. on my list. Number twenty five was the uh, UCF self uh, destruction of SMU, where Taco Fall had a double double and they yeah. beat him by a billion points, which Murph was at. <laughs> right. So we got that. We've got uh, and we got plenty more coming. I'm doing some work on some football related stuff in the off season as well coming up too. So all right, that'll do it for the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Don't forget to follow us at UCF underscore Banneret and Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. And of course, as always, at Black and Gold SB Nation's home. For your UCF nights, make sure you make sure you subscribe to our podcast if you don't already. Wherever fine podcasts are downloaded for free um, to keep up on all the latest in UCF sports news. So for Brian Murphy and Eric Lopez, I'm Jeff Sharon saying thank you so much for listening, 
This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'll catch you next week.